chapter number one, verse number four. And before we get started, Brother Reese has already read all my verses. And so either he was in the Holy Ghost or I'm in the Holy Ghost. I don't know which one it is, but we're believing that both of us are in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful today because I serve a good God. Amen. I'm thankful because one day I wasn't where I'm at right now. I was lost. I was in the darkness. But now I'm, I'm living in the light. And I'm thankful that, that I serve a God that is able to reach down and pick us up out of the darkness. And he is able to place us into his marvelous light. Amen. Porque estaba en las tinieblas, en la oscuridad. Pero ahora estoy viviendo en la luz. Amen. Porque Dios es la luz del mundo. God is the light of the world. And we serve a God that is able to answer every single need. Because if you've got the light and you're living in the light, you've got a God on your side that is greater, that is more capable, that is more able. Amen, amen. No tienes que vivir en la oscuridad, en las tinieblas. Porque estás en la casa de Dios. Amen. Estamos en la casa de Dios. Y aquí hay poder en la casa de Dios. Hay libertad en la casa de Dios. Porque tenemos un Dios que es capaz. Dios es capaz en este lugar. Amen, amen. Si creen, dice amen. Okay. Good, good. And it's so much more powerful in Spanish than it is in English. I'm just going to be honest. When you say the good, the food is good. It just in Spanish, it sounds so much more convincing. La comida es buena. There's a there's a a tone to it that girthiness or a, a deepness. So I'm thankful. Amen. Amen. So for those of you that understood that, gloria a Dios. Amen. And for those of you that did not, glory to God. Amen. Amen. Are you thankful today? Amen. Are you happy today? Amen. Acts chapter number one. Vamos a leer Hechos capítulo dos. Uh, perdón, Hechos capítulo uno, versículo cuatro. Acts chapter one, verse number four. Vamos a leer versículo cuatro a ocho. We're going to read verse number four through verse number eight. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now what you'll find interesting about verse number 8 is all four of those locations are an outline for the book of Acts. You will find that there will be verses about Jerusalem, verses about Judea, verses about Samaria, and there will be verses about the uttermost part of of the earth. It is an outline. And we're going to talk about some of that today. We're going to preach. Uh, and if I had to title a topic or title this message, it would be, but ye shall receive power. 
but ye shall receive power. Pero recibiréis poder. Amen. Estoy agradecido por el poder de Dios. Amen. I'm thankful for the power of God. Amen, amen. That wasn't very convincing. I'm thankful for the power of God. Amen. Amen. If you would, would you lay your Bibles down and let's pray together that God would have his way in this place. God, I pray that you would move in this house, that you would bring somebody to this point and to this moment, that they would be able to receive from you exactly what they have been searching for. We ask God that you would speak to us, that your power and your ability would be felt in this house. I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay, that we would be able to speak your word and your word would be clear, God. In the name of Jesus, we ask for each and every one of these things. Would you put your hands together and give God a hand clap of praise? Amen, amen. You can be seated today. From the, the very beginning of time, God has always wanted to bless his people. God has always wanted to place key people in key places so that he could bless them and he could use them for his kingdom. Genesis chapter 1 verse number 26 tells us exactly this. Because humanity was, it was to have dominion over everything. Dominion over the animals and dominion over the earth. Everything was to be taken care of. Humans, you and I, we were created to not only take dominion, but we were created to have dominion. And unfortunately, at the beginning of time and at the fall of man, this became an issue uh, because we understand that Eve, Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so this was a sin, and this sin cast humanity into the depths of despair, if you will. And they were told at the beginning of time that you are to be blessed. You are to multiply and you are to replenish the earth. This is your commandment. This is what you are supposed to do and this is what you are going to do. But due to the fall of man, there were complications in this ability to take dominion. There were problems because no longer were they living according to the exact uh, pretense of what God had called them to be and called them to do, but now they're, they're struggling with sin. And this is never supposed to be where we are living. Because God is calling us to take dominion of things, and it is not the will of God that we stay under the unction of repentance, always repenting every time we come to the house of God, but it is the will of God that we would be able to take dominion over whatever it is that's causing us to repent, and we would be able to take dominion over that and say, you're not going to cause me any more problems, but I take dominion over that. Amen. It is not the will of God that we would just simply be weak and we would be a generation that doesn't, isn't able to stand for anything because we fall for everything. It is the will of God that we take dominion over some things. Amen. It is the will of God that we would have revival in Bakersfield. But it takes a man and it takes a woman that is able to say, I'm going to take dominion over some things in my life because I want to see the kingdom of God move forward. Amen. Amen. So we are not called to be a generation that is weak. We are called to be a people and a generation that is able to take dominion. One of the challenges of our inability to take dominion is we are a people and a generation that has become so distracted. Everything that we do is a distraction. Amen. And, and not all of us, uh, well, excuse me, all of us are prone to this because all of us have distractions in our life that, that inhibit us from taking dominion. Amen. You have good plans and good intentions to read your Bible, 
on Monday morning. Service is powerful on Sunday night. You get up on Monday morning, you're going to read your Bible. And so you pick up your phone, you read your Bible, uh, you go to your Bible app. But, but before you get to your Bible app, you forget what you were doing on your phone. And so then you just answer text messages and respond to emails and, and all of that good stuff. You forget what you were doing because there's distractions. There are things in our hand that are inhibiting us from taking dominion. But this is not what the call of God and the plan of God was, was originally supposed to be. There were three international failures in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Each of them resulted in a promise, and it includes everybody on the earth. And the third international failure was the Tower of Babel. This is where man attempted to construct a tower that would go up into the heavens because naturally we think that we are bigger than God. And so uh, there is no separation between earth and heaven. We should be able to create and construct a tower that gets us into the heavens because we are just as big as God. In our own minds, we have created ourselves to be greater. And so this is a, an international failure because it thrusts the children of Israel into another area in which they are now dealing and struggling with sin. Amen. There's a trend here. There are things that, that are inhibiting us, limiting us from reaching potential because we're stuck in a cycle. And so there is a promise because God does not judge without giving a promise. And so after the Tower of Babel and he confused all of the languages, he also gave the children of Israel a promise. And that promise was given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, chapter number 12, verse number 1. Abraham's descendants were to be set apart. They were to be different as no other nation in history. They were to be set apart with a divine call. They were to be ordained with a divine destiny. And so I want to read those. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1. The Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Verse number three, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And so through one man and through one individual, all of the families, all of the people of the earth are going to be blessed. It's through this promise of Abraham that God again intends to bless his people. Because God always intends to bless you and I. He always intends and, and plans on blessing his people. But it's through the call of Abraham, and more specifically, it's through a mediator called Jesus Christ that comes down to earth, and the descendants of that man are going to be blessed. And it's his descendants where we see are, are the ones that are blessed. But it's in these verses in Genesis chapter number 12 where we derive and we understand the theology of mission. The theology of mission does not come from the New Testament. It is not Matthew 28, 19, although this is a verse that continues the call of the mission of God. It is all connected. The first time we see the call to mission is here in Genesis chapter number 12, where he says, I am going to bless you, and I am going to make you an individual that blesses other people, and through you, you are going to be the one that reaches all of the families of the earth. And in order to do the mission of God, this is very important, in order to do the, the mission of God, it is required that an individual first be blessed. You have to be blessed in order to do the mission of God. In order for you to reach individuals and, and to be able to outreach to people, there first must be a place of blessing. 
where you recognize that, that I am not my own and everything that I have comes from God. This is something that is, that is very unique to the people of God because there ought to be a humbleness and a humility that comes from the people of God that, that I am not here to build my own kingdom. I am not here to, to make this about uh, you and me and, and we're going to construct something that is going to be great in the eyes of men. But the reason that I am here on earth is to build the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm not here just to construct a, another church and, and just to build something that man says is impressive. But what I am here to do is further the kingdom of God. Amen. I am here to further the gospel of Jesus Christ because there is a generation of people that do not know who Jesus is. And they need a man blessed of God that is able to step behind the pulpit and can begin to declare the word of God and say, You need what I've got because I'm blessed of God and you need to be blessed. And so let's look at what blessing looks like in the Old Testament. Many of us, you and I, when we think of blessing, we think of, of uh, the owner of, of a, a cattle of a thousand hills. We think of money. We think of things uh, that are material possessions. Right? I think all of us could, could admit that that's what we think is blessing. But that's not what the Bible calls blessing. And so we're going to read Numbers chapter 6, verse number 23. The Bible says, speak unto Aaron, speaking to Moses, and unto his sons, saying on this wise, ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, the Lord bless thee and keep thee, the Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee, and the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace, and they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. This was the blessing of the children of Israel. This was the blessing of the people. This was not just for Moses, and this was not just for Aaron's and the sons of royalty. But this, is, this was for every child of the people of Israel. Was that God would shine forth from their face so that they could do exactly what Abraham was promised, so that they could be a blessing to other people. Amen. It is God's plan and it is God's will that you would be so blessed of God that he would give you so many things in the spiritual realm that it would shine forth from your face so that when people walk by you in the grocery store, they would say there's something different about you. I, don't, I can't really put my finger on it. I don't really know what it is, but something in your face tells me that, that you're different than everybody else. This is the blessing of God, and this is what you and I are supposed to be. It doesn't matter about material possessions. It doesn't matter about what you have and what you don't have but what matters is that you are blessed of God and that God would shine through in your face amen because we have been given a commission we have been given a plan and a purpose that we are to reach every single individual in this earth and I can't do it by myself because the only thing that I have to offer is just a sack of bones and some breath that God has given me but when God gets involved and God shines through my face all of a sudden something begins to happen and it's the blessing of God that begins to take over that it's no longer my words that are speaking but it's God's words that are speaking and it's no longer the things that I am doing but it's the things that God is doing this is the blessing of God. Amen. But this was not just reserved for special people. This was not just reserved for the people that were in charge. But this was for every child in Israel. This was for every individual. And the first blessing in the life of every believer is the Holy Ghost. 
The very first thing that you receive when you become a believer is you receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost because it is a gift and it is a blessing. And when it's given unto you, the power of God shines through your face and all of a sudden people begin to realize there's something different. You've been doing something that you're not usually doing. What is it in your face that I can see? And it's the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of God that people can begin to recognize the difference because they see that you are blessed of God. Amen. And so I don't desire just to be blessed of man. I don't desire just to be put up on a pedestal by another individual. But what I truly desire is that God would get so deep within my spirit that there would be a blessing that shines through. I may not have it all, and I may not have every knowledge of everything, but when God shines through my face, it doesn't matter what I know and what I don't know. It doesn't matter if I know the language or if I don't know the language. If I just begin to preach the word of God, the blessings of God begin to shine through my face, and all of us sudden people begin to get divine revelation and divine understanding not because of what I am saying but because of what God is doing through me hallelujah I wish we had a group of people that would recognize this is not just about a church this is not just about another individual but this is about the blessings of God that you can receive so that you can be a witness to your family you can be a witness to your people you can be a witness to your neighborhood hallelujah if you believe that why don't you put your hands together Hallelujah, I want to be a witness. I want to be so blessed of God that people can recognize in my face that there is a difference. Amen, amen, you can be seated. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 14 tells us that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise. This is not just the promise of the Holy Ghost, but this is also the promise of Abraham, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So all the way back when God was blessing Abraham, you and I were thought of when he was blessing Abraham. When God was blessing him and telling him that that you're going to be an individual that blesses all the families of the earth, you and I were thought of in that blessing. You and I were thought of in that promise all the way back then. And man, it's humbling to think about all the way back then from the edges of eternity that you and I can't even comprehend. Jesus had you and I in his mind. Jesus knew what he was doing from the very beginning of time. And so when you receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost and when you are baptized in Jesus' name, when you apply his name unto your life, there is something that begins to happen because now you are an individual that is capable of receiving the inheritance of Jesus Christ. You now are an heir to the kingdom of God. Amen. But what happens is when you become an heir to the kingdom of God, all of a sudden no longer are you just a servant in the kingdom, but you are a son and you are a daughter in the kingdom. And when you're a daughter and a son to the king, you can begin to request things that normal people cannot request. You can begin to ask things and begin to ask for blessing and begin to ask for financial increase and begin to ask for things that that you can't normally ask for when you're out in the world. But when you're a son and when you're a daughter of the king, there is an inheritance that comes unto you there is a power that is able to step out from where you are up into heaven and it's able to come back down and meet you right where you are hallelujah is anybody thankful for the blessings of God is anybody thankful that they know who Jesus Christ is Hallelujah, I wish there was about 20 more people that would run with him, that would recognize, I am blessed of Jesus Christ. I can't do it by myself, but it's because of the graciousness of God. Hallelujah. Amen, we got some confusion up front. We're not sure which way to run. Amen. You can be seated. 
God is blessing you so that you can bless other people. God is blessing you so that you could be a witness to another person. God is blessing you, your family, your business. I know you guys just gave in, in an offering. God is blessing businesses so that you can be a witness to other people about the exploits that you're doing across the world. Because these sorts of things are, are incomprehensible to people that don't understand the kingdom. You gave how much to that church so that they could just take it and do something else with it? No, what you, what you don't understand is, is there's something called the kingdom that I am a part of. And I'm blessed because I'm a part of the kingdom. And you ought to be a part of the kingdom too because there are great things that are coming to me. Hey Amen. you notice that I got the promotion and you did not. That's because I'm blessed. Glory. Hey Amen. maybe don't tell them that, but tell them they need to come to church so that they can learn about it. Hey Amen. So you are, you are God's people. The goodness of God shines through the things that you do. The goodness of God shines through your face. It shines through your actions. It shines through every component of your life. This is why we ought to be careful about what we do when we're not in public, because it shines through our lives. If there are things that are not taken care of, that will shine through, and it will, it will create obscurity in the, in the blessing of God from shining through in our life. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 14, that ye are the light of the world. Ye are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Just like Moses, just like Aaron, just like the children of Israel, you and I are called to have a radiant glow from our life and from our face. It is the will of God that we would be uh, recognizable. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, Ye are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people. Not peculiar and weird. We don't want weird apostolics. We want peculiar apostolics. It's, it's, it's cooler. It's what the kids are saying nowadays. You want to be peculiar. This means that you're different. You're not like everybody else. And so you put everybody, that's me. I'm peculiar. You put a white kid in Mexico, I'm peculiar. That's what we're supposed to be in this earth, is we're the people that are different. We don't look like everybody else. We don't dress like everybody else. We don't talk like everybody else. Not because we're odd, not because we're weird, but because God has planted in it within us that we are a peculiar people. God has called me for his purpose and for his design, not so that I would just be a somebody that's weird, but that I would be called and designed by God to reach this world. Amen. Let's get back to our text. Acts chapter 1, verse number 4. The disciples are gathered together with Jesus. They're, they're together after his resurrection. And he's teaching them, and, and he tells them that, that you're, need, you're, going to, you're going to need to tarry in Jerusalem because I'm going to send unto you a, a promise of the Father. I'm going to send you my spirit, and so you need to stay and wait and tarry about, uh, about these things. Because John's baptism is not enough for you. You're going to need to, to have another baptism. Because John's baptism was just baptism of repentance. And this simply is, is not enough. Because you need to be baptized of the water and of the spirit in order for you to enter into the kingdom. And so you're going to need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. There's going to be, need to be a, a fire that shows in your life that you've been baptized by the spirit. And we understand one chapter later. There was a group of people in Acts chapter number 2, they, they were in one mind and they were in one accord. They were united. Unity is important. They were together. And, and they began to pray. I, I find it hard 
The Bible doesn't specifically tell us what they were doing when the Holy Ghost came down. It says they were together. But I find it hard to imagine that they were just sitting there waiting. Right? I find it hard that they were sitting crisscross applesauce on the floor singing kumbaya and the Holy Ghost just fell. I think they were doing something. Uh, I, I believe they were praying as they were seeking the Holy Ghost. I believe there was a spirit that began to, began to uh, give utterance. And when, when they began to do that, the Holy Ghost fell down in that place. And it says that, that the Holy Ghost moved and there was a wind that appeared unto them like cloven tongues. And it sat upon each of them and it sat like unto them as a fire. And it filled all of them with the Holy Ghost. But this was not just another kind of wind. You see, this was not just a wind that you and I can visualize and see the, the palm trees blowing and, and seeing the things outside move. This is not this kind of wind. But this is the kind of wind that moved the face of the waters in Genesis chapter number 1. That when the earth was without form and without void, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord moved and it began to separate uh, earth from heaven. And it began to move day and night and there was a moving of the Spirit. This is the kind of wind that it was. And it was not just some kind of breath, but it was the breath of life. As Ezekiel's walking through the valley of dry bones and he begins to tell Ezekiel, do you think that these bones can live? And he responds and says, yes, Lord, you know that they can live. And he says, prophesy unto these bones. And as he begins to prophesy, bone begins to attach to bone and sinew to sinew. And there was flesh and it looked like a body, but the Bible says there was no breath in it. And there had to be the breath of life that was instilled into that body so that it could be a living creature. This is what you and I must have. This is the blessing that we are required to have because if we get behind pulpits and we teach Bible studies and we begin to outreach to individuals but there's no breath in our body, we are just dead people. This is why there's no power in the message. This is why there's no power in, in their testimonies because they don't have the breath of God. But when you begin to get the breath of God and you mix it with some faith and you mix it with everything that we are doing trying to reach this world, suddenly wind begins to transpire and move and, and people aren't really sure what begins to happen. But if that's the atmosphere that is created, the Holy Ghost can begin to move. Amen. This is why it is so important that when we step into the house of God, there must be a move of God. Amen. There must be a move of the Spirit because even unbelievers can begin to detect a change in the atmosphere. And all of a sudden when the music begins to play and when people begin to sing, there is a change. And suddenly the wind begins to come from places that we are not used to. And we begin to feel things that we're not used to. It's because the Holy Ghost has just stepped into that building and there is a blessing that is coming from the Holy Ghost. The blessing from God that is going to fill everybody in the room. Amen. And so... This is what he's promising to them. He tells them that, that if you wait here, I'm going to give you a promise. And, and he tells them exactly what it's going to be, but, but they can't quite understand it, and they're distracted. Distractions go all the way back to the book of Acts. And they, they become distracted. And so they ask Jesus, verse number 6, if you would, put it on the, on the screen, Acts chapter 1, verse 6. They say, uh, Jesus, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Uh, we, 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 we know about this Holy Ghost. You know, we're content with that. We're happy. You know, you're back with us. You were gone for three days, and now you're back, and, and we're so glad. We're happy. And, and you're going to give us your spirit, and we're glad that you're going to give us your spirit, and, and we're really excited. But when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? When is this going to be something you're actually going to do? And, and so they continue, and, and Jesus admonishes them. He, he gets on to them, essentially. But he doesn't tell them that they're wrong, because at some point, this will become a reality, but the problem is their timing was, was way off. They're, they're, it's timing 101, context 101. If you're married, you know timing 101. Amen. And so he tells them, he tells them, this is going to be something. Now, 
Verse number 7, if you put that on the board, he tells them, it's, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. In other words, it's none of your business. You don't need to be asking Jesus about what he's going to do and when he's going to do it. You just need to be about the Father's business. He tells them, uh, the Father's going to put in his own power. Verse number 8, if you would put that on the, on the board, he says, but you are going to receive power. Because I told you, if you remember in verse number 4, that you're going to tarry in Jerusalem and I'm going to send you my spirit. And this is the continuation. You're going to receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you're going to be a witness unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And this is what you're going to be. Essentially, what Jesus is doing is shifting their distraction to be about the Father's business. He's telling them they're, they're more concerned about what's going to transpire with, with Israel and, and what a timely message. Uh, but, but he tells them, Israel is not your concern. This is not something that you need to be oriented or focused about. What you need to be focused on is the kingdom of God. You need to be focused on the things of God. You need to be focused upon receiving the Holy Ghost and being able to exhibit the blessing that I have told you about. And so essentially what he does is he changes the conversation from distractions to global evangelism. He tells them that you don't need to be distracted by all of these different things because the only way that the world is going to be, is going to be restored is if the gospel of Jesus Christ is given unto them. The only way that the nation of Israel is going to be restored in this present life is as if the word of God penetrates deep within the spirits of man and women and begins to reach individuals through the blessings that you and I have. And so this is, this is the message today. Don't be so concerned with problems and situations as it is about global evangelism and it, as it is about the word of God. Because if the word of God is the most important thing in your life, all of those things will begin to restore and all of those things will begin to come together. But many times the problem here is we, we lose faith here because global evangelism requires somebody. We can't talk about global evangelism and there not be somebody that goes. And I'm thankful that this church is not just a church that holds everybody in, but this is a church that sends people out as well. Because if a cistern or if a well becomes old and the water sits, it becomes putrid and it begins to stink. This is not how it's supposed to go. There's supposed to be people coming in and there's people going out under the blessing and the unction of the Holy Ghost. This is what global revival is. It is people that understand that, that I have been blessed of God. I have been used mightily of God. And I understand that it's not just for me to keep it all to myself. But there is a generation of people that need to hear this gospel. And I'm going to be the one that shares it with them. Now, I understand that many of you probably are not going to leave this place and leave Bakersfield, but there is a complete mission field right here in this city of people that need to hear the word of God. Amen. If you look at the demographic of this church, there needs to be more cultures and more nationalities. There needs to be more people because if this city is going to be reached, there has to be people that are willing to go out and reach. But this is hard because it requires action. And the point of action is the hardest part. Jesus told Abraham, you're going to have to leave your father. You're going to have to leave your nation and, and your kindred. And you're going to have to go to places that you don't even know. But I'm going to tell you. This requires a lot of trust and a lot of faith in God. But in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it gives us the exact roadmap of how things are supposed to happen. Now I told you at the very beginning when we read Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that it, it outlined the rest of the book of Acts. The Bible says that it's first going to start in Jerusalem. This is local. And thank God for local missions. Then it says Judea. This is regional. This is, this is California, if you will. And then it says that it's also in Samaria. These are other cultures. 
because the Jews and the Samaritans, they didn't come together. These were not people that, that united very often. You're going to have to reach other cultures, and you're going to have to reach people that maybe you're not comfortable with. And thirdly, fourthly, you're going to have to reach the uttermost part of the earth. These are, these are people and, and places that are afar off that you probably will never reach. And so there's going to have to be an individual that reaches out and goes to find them. These are the different things and the different components of mission. But the Bible says that, that you're going to have the power to go do it. And this is the challenge because many times we question what's going to happen. We question what, what God has in store. And I understand. I can, I can empathize with you. I uh, Recently, a couple of months ago, we started a, a Bible study at a rehab. Now, rehab in, in Mexico is not rehab in the United States. This is something that is completely different. And so we went the first uh, Friday, and we showed up, and I didn't have any expectations. I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, we walk in, and, and I begin to glean information and learn some things, that these men are in here for 9 to 12 months. They don't leave this place. They don't come, and they don't go. They're in this rehab for 12 months, many of them. And so you can imagine, you get a bunch of men together for 12 months, there's, there's a lot of hostility. Not negative hostility, but, but you put me in that circumstance, and I walk in, and they want to know, why are you in here with us? And so we began to teach, and we began to, to teach exactly what I'm teaching today. And, and all of a sudden, uh, the faces and the expressions on their face began to change. But when we finished, uh, I made the mistake of asking if anybody had any questions. This was a grave mistake, because everybody wants to ask the new kid questions, see if he really knows what he's talking about. And so here I am talking about addiction when, when I've never experienced the addiction that, that they've experienced. And so the first guy that raises his hand, he says, have you ever smoked? And I've been born and raised in church. I, I, don't, I don't even like the smell of it. I can't imagine what the taste of it is. And so I said, sir, you know what? Um, I've never smoked. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that, that I don't have your testimony. But I said, um, we are all addicts, and we are all addicted to sin. And all of us are on a journey to sobriety. We are all trying to become a better individual. We're trying to become somebody that we were not yesterday, but we're going to become in the future. And this is the power of God, is, is he's not so concerned about your past or your present, but all he was concerned about is what you can be in the future. And so I may not have the testimony of those men, and I may not be able to, to be able to really connect under the addiction of these men, that these men have experienced. But there's one thing that I do have, and that's the power of the Holy Ghost. That as I begin to teach and as I begin to preach, there is a stirring in the spirit that those men have never experienced before. Many of them have been seeking for something that they can put their hands on. And, and they've been trying to escape the, the, the fragility of life. And they've been trying to escape things, but they've never found it. But when a white kid steps into that rehab facility and begins to preach the word of God, all of a sudden things begin to make sense in their mind. And they say, this is what I've been searching for the whole time. And so don't ever tell me that you don't have the power to do it. And you you don't have the testimony to do it and if you knock on their door what if they close the door it doesn't matter because you've got the Holy Ghost deep within inside you that is able to give you the power to be a witness to your neighbor and the power to be a witness to your family <laughs> hallelujah I wonder if there is anybody that feels the Holy Ghost like I feel the Holy Ghost right now Hallelujah. I understand that maybe you don't have all the knowledge and maybe you're not a preacher, but if you would just begin to teach the word of God and you would begin to, to be a blessing to individuals, they would be able to recognize what you're doing. They would be able to see the power of the word of God. Amen, amen. The Bible tells us that this word, witness, 
It is an individual that is able to testify of the goodness of God. This is an individual that is able to, to speak positively of the things of God, the greatness of him. Isaiah, and, uh, Isaiah chapter 44 and, and chapter 43 speaks of the greatness of God. As I began to, to ponder the glory of God, I, I began to be consumed with his greatness. And this word is also used to describe uh, Paul and Stephen as they were martyred and as they were killed for preaching the word of God. It says that they were witnesses of God. They were witnesses of the goodness of God. Not because they were men that were just superb and they were great, but they, they once had a past and they can testify of the goodness of God and they could stand before you and give you a testimony that, that maybe not everybody has, but it's unique to them. And the Bible tells us that we overcome him by the, the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. We are testimonies in this place. We are witnesses of the greatness of God. Your testimony may be different than my testimony, but when we get together and we begin to preach and teach about the goodness of God, there is something that begins to transpire because the greatness of God is shown. I wonder if there's anybody that has a testimony in this place that would be willing to step out on your feet and say, I've seen the greatness of God, and I know what you're talking about because God pulled me up out of a deep, dark, miry clay, and he set me on my feet to stray. He put me in the place that he wanted me to be. Amen, because I once was living in the dark. I once was, was bound by sin and by problems, but now I'm living in the light because God has placed me uniquely in a place where he has set me because he has blessed me. He has given me the ability to be where I am, not because I'm somebody incredible, but because the blessings of God shine through. And there is a, a, a greatness that I can speak of because God has been way too good to me I can't tell you all of the things that he's done, but the Bible says that if there were miracles that would, that would tell of all the miracles that Jesus did, the books in this world could not contain them. Every single one of you guys is a miracle. You are a living testimony, and you are to be a witness to this lost and dying world. You may not have any education. You may not have any power, but if you've got a testimony, you've got the only thing that you need because the greatness of God can begin to shine through. Hallelujah. I want us all to stand in this place. We need the presence of God. Hallelujah. And I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I feel faith increasing in this house. If you have a need in this place, if, if you've got a need in your body, a physical need, God is able to heal you today. Amen. If you've got a need in your family, that maybe it's not a physical need, but, but you need God to move in your life, we serve a God that is able to move in that situation. Amen. If you've got needs in your job and you've got needs at home that maybe you're not able to express them and you don't really know how to explain them, we serve a God that is able to answer prayers. Amen. I wonder if there would be somebody that would increase your faith in this place today that would say, I believe that God can do it today. I believe that he would be able to do it in this house and in this day. This is not a coincidence. This is not just happen chance because that's not how God works. But there is a power that is in this place that if you would just believe and you would say, God, I know that you can do it. He will do it in this place. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says you shall receive power. That word power is the, the Greek word dunamis. It's spelled like dynamis. This word is used multiple times amongst the miracles of Jesus Christ. Most notably, there was, there was a woman 
and she had an issue with her blood. And as she began to, to reach her way through the, the multitude to touch Jesus, the Bible says she just reached down and touched the hem of his garment. That she didn't, she didn't know what was going to transpire and, and she had tried all of her options. There's some of you today, you've tried all of your options. And the only thing that you've got left is Jesus. The Bible says that when she touched the hem of his garment, virtue flew out of him, dunamis came out of him, power left his body and he turned around and said, who was it that touched me? And all of a sudden, just like the enemy would like to do today, doubt began to, to come into the sanctuary and they began to tell him, master, there is a whole multitude here. There is a group of people that, that who knows who touched you? He said, no, what you don't understand is power just left my body. Virtue just left my body. And this is not something that we're just going to pass up because there is something that just transpired that, that there's no explanation to, but the power of my spirit just left my body and it just made this woman whole. And I want to admonish us that, that many times we were like the woman with the issue of blood. The American church is the woman with the issue of blood where we try everything else before we try God. Whereas we ought to be like blind Bartimaeus that, that I don't even know what's going to happen. I can't see, but when doubt comes in the building, I'm just going to yell even louder. I don't want to be somebody that tries everything else before I try God because I serve a God that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can think or ask. And so the altar call tonight or this afternoon is this. If you've got a need in your body and you need a healing from God, this is your altar call. This is your opportunity to step out and say, God, I need a move of your spirit. I need a, a powerful virtue to flow from out of your body into my situation and into my life because I can't do it by myself and I've exhausted every opportunity. I've exhausted every, every ultimatum, but the insurance that you've got is Jesus Christ that is in this place. Hallelujah. I wonder if there would be somebody that would step out in faith and say, God, I don't, I don't even know if you'll do it, but I believe that you can. And if I believe that you can, I know that you can do it. But I'm going to put my faith and my trust and belief in you that the power and the virtue that you contain and that you hold within your hand, you're going to give it unto me. Hallelujah. If you've seen somebody that stepped out in this place, you ought to find them and you ought to pray with them because the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name that I will be in the midst of them. If you've seen somebody that stepped out believing for a miracle, don't let them pray by themselves. You may not know what the miracle is. You may not know what the need is. But you don't need to know the need if you know that you serve a God that is able to speak life and to speak peace and to speak life everlasting. Hallelujah, the Holy Ghost is in this place. If you need the Holy Ghost in this house, you ought to be so full of the Holy Ghost that virtue flows from out of you. That the power of God is, is from going forth to everlasting. Hallelujah, no, no spectators in this place. If you don't have a need, lift up your hands and lift up your voice. And create an atmosphere in this house that a mighty rushing wind can fall down in this house and can begin to move amongst each and every one of these individuals that have so graciously stepped out and believed.
If you've got needs in this place